Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards. Today, the game is different. I want to gamble. Gambling is a very serious business. Is that clear? Welcome to House of Cards. Dave Weishelder with you here, deep from the swamps of Jersey. we got a great show coming up for you. I'm excited about this show because we are going to talk about a game most of us probably play, the lottery. Most of us probably have a lottery ticket in our wallet or in our pocket right now. A couple of weeks ago, we couldn't stop hearing about the lottery because of the $2 billion jackpot from Powerball. But like most people, I didn't know the history behind the game. Well, that all changed because I read For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America, a book written by Jonathan Cohen. It's an absolutely amazing book about the evolution and growth of this country's favorite game. When we come back, we're talking about the lottery with Jonathan Cohen. So stick around. We'll be right back with House of Cards. Hey, this is Dave Weishaddle from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of January 29th, 2024. Churchill Downs and Sports Illustrated announcing multi-year partnership for the name and rights of a new luxury dining experience called Club SI. Club SI is part of the $200 million renovation paddock project at Churchill Downs and will open in time for the 150th running of the Kentucky Derby. The club will be open on premium race days and will have designated wagering windows, private bars, as well as outdoor trackside viewing of races. The Potomac Winter Poker Open is returning to MGM National Harbor. The Maryland Poker Tournament, which runs from February 14th through the 26th, features events like the $750,000 opener, the $3,500 high roller, and the $1 million guaranteed main event. MGM National Harbor overlooks the Potomac River, has 160,000 square feet of gaming space, and a 308-room hotel. And finally, fans of slot machines and of Star Trek should be celebrating right now. BetMGM announced their new slot game based on Star Trek Next Generation. At the moment, the slot is only available at the online casino site in Michigan, but BetMGM plans to release it in all the states that allow online casinos. The slot game has five reels, five symbols, 3,125 ways to win, and all the show's popular characters. Go nuts, Trekkers! Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on X at HOC Radio. You're listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at houseofcardsradio.com. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. Here at the radio show, we get a lot of books all the time, but I have just read the most interesting book we received in a long time. It's called For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. It's about the history of a game that most of us play all the time. The author is Jonathan Cohen, and we are lucky to have the author of this great book on the line right now. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, first off, congratulations. I was talking to you off air. It's just absolutely an incredible book. And as I said, the lottery is something that people play all the time. I mean, you see advertisements everywhere for it. If you're in the grocery store or convenience store, you can't help see people play the lottery. But I'm curious, what inspired you to write a book about the history of the lottery in this country? Yeah, I, I, 
personally, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't have any experience with the lottery. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. You know, I don't I don't have any uh, lottery winners in my family. I also don't have any you know problem gamblers or anti Aunt, Aunt Mary who lost all of her money on scratch tickets. Mm-hmm. I uh, sort of went into graduate school a little bit of a, a product of the Great Recession. You know, interested in this idea of the American dream and economic inequality, economic opportunity, and you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm a board game player, and I think I was sort of willing to take this this game, uh, this form of entertainment, sort of more seriously than a lot of other scholars might. Um, you might be familiar with the old adage: uh, "Gamblers don't read, and readers don't gamble." Yeah. Um, I think I found it actually the opposite is true. I think a lot of readers, a lot of gamblers, are very heavy readers and are very interested uh, in the history of the games they play and the history of gambling writ, writ large, uh, and all that sort of made this a perfect topic uh, for me and I hope for for this moment in American history. Now, when we're talking about the typical lottery player, who are we referring to? I mean, is it more of a blue-collar game? Is it played more in the big cities and the rural areas of this country? I mean, your book really does an outstanding job looking at the history of who plays the lottery. But right now in America, when we're talking about the typical lottery player, who are we talking about? Right. So so we're recording this in December, right? So last month uh, in, in November, there was that big Powerball jackpot, yep, the $2.4 billion yep. jackpot, right? So when, when jackpots like that come through, almost every, not everyone, but almost everyone buys a ticket. And as a result, 50% of Americans buy a lottery ticket at least once a year. Wow. So if you look at the sort of average, quote unquote, the average lottery player looks a lot like the average American because so many people play tickets uh, at least once a year. But if you look at who's playing frequently and who are, for example, the one in eight Americans who play once a week, now we're talking about a group that is disproportionately less educated, disproportionately uh, non-white, um, and disproportionately not the lowest income, but the sort of second tier of income, folks with disposable income to play, but maybe not enough uh, opportunities elsewhere in the economy. Well, well, certainly we know what players get out of the lottery, but in the early 60s, when New Hampshire became the first state to allow a state-run lottery, what was New Hampshire hoping to achieve? And for that matter, what do all states hope to achieve by allowing lotteries? Yeah, well, and we we should get into New Hampshire because I think mm-hmm. folks who are interested in the history of gambling should know about the games there because they were absolutely insane compared <laughs> to what we have now. Um, but but I, I think that the the equation for states is pretty simple. Uh, is that it's pretty hard to find uh, state revenue that isn't from taxes. And gambling and, and lotteries in particular are sort of one of the only ways to do that. And lottery lotteries um, in in the starting in the '60s and then after were just sort of considered less scandalous than things like sports betting or casinos. Uh, bingo, actually, in some states, uh, you know, you're you're in Jersey, New York, New Jersey, were sort of some of the pioneers on the bingo front. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, lotteries were were again uh, an easier sort of entree uh, for states into the gambling economy. You know, we're talking about the 60s. I'm wondering how much did the times affect the evolution of the lottery? I mean, in the 60s, we had difficult economic situations. Race relations was at a critical point. I mean, we were in the midst of the Vietnam War. How did the turmoil times really influence the creation of the modern state lottery? Yeah, well, you set me up nicely because this is one of my, my key arguments in the book, which is, 
Um, you know, we think about gambling as inevitable, and you know, lotteries have existed for for thousands of years in some form. But I, I, I think the American state lottery system, as, as it exists today, is a response to particular circumstances of time and place. And as you alluded to, I think the sort of tanking economy of the late '60s, early '70s uh, is what inspired states like New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, who are, are lottery pioneers. Is what inspired them to to take on the lotteries in the first place. And it, you know, the in the immediate aftermath of World War II, states were able to raise. Uh, services without raising taxes. And as the economy soured, as inflation sort of took off in the 60s and 70s, as the Vietnam War took a larger share of the federal budget, that wasn't possible anymore. And that's what sort of prompted states, starting in the Northeast, to turn to lotteries as this new creative source of revenue. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, we're using the term modern state lotteries, but lotteries are not a new concept. As you pointed out in your book, you can find lotteries in the Bible. The Jamestown colony was helped a lot by a lottery. The founders of the U.S. used a lottery to get money for the Revolutionary War. So lotteries are not a new thing. I mean, but I, I'm, I'm curious. It seems you didn't hear a lot about them until the end of the 20th century. It seemed like there was a lull in lotteries in the early 20th century. Is that what happened? Did lotteries fall out of favor early, earlier in the 20th century and really seem to gain no momentum in the later half of the 20th century yeah and i'll and i'll i'll be, be specific there was a definite lull in legal okay. lotteries All right. yeah. uh from the from the 1890s through the 1960s uh in the 1890s you, you may have heard about um there was this corrupt a lottery based in Louisiana that sold tickets all over the country. It was the last remaining state lottery, mm-hmm. and Congress finally—it was called the Golden Octopus—and yep. uh, Congress finally had to sort of take action and shut it down. Um, so lotteries go underground, and we can talk about. Uh, you've already alluded to a little bit the sort of uh, underground black numbers games sure, uh, sure. in the north, in the Northeast, and Rust Belt. So those are popular. In, it's starting in the 1890s, but really they take off, you know, mid 1920s through the 1960s, and that's when we started to get the the modern legal uh, state-run lottery era. Well, let's get into that a little bit, especially in the 1960s. And New Jersey was the state that saw the biggest need for a state-run lottery. What was going on in New Jersey at the time, and how did New Jersey influence other states when it came to state-run lotteries? Yeah, so so New Jersey. Um, is suffering a worse version of a problem that other states are experiencing, which is that the state needs more money, but voters are already sort of suffering under ta- under their tax burdens and don't want to shell out more. So the state needs a way to raise money without raising taxes. Um, and then the other sort of another uh, special uh, uh, situation in New Jersey is the prevalence of these illegal numbers games, especially in in black and Latino communities, but not exclusively. There are a lot of uh, white working class folks, uh, blue collar folks and working at their factory who who would play the daily numbers there as well. So what you get is um, a lot of uh, black numbers players who I, I should say are sort of getting harassed by police. You know, the police, these games are illegal and the, the, yeah. the, are the impetus for a lot of sort of arbitrary police harassment in urban America. So you get a lot of those folks on one side who want a legal lottery because they think it will end police harassment. And on the other side, you have all these white suburban homeowners who don't want to pay more taxes, who still want state services. And because of all this illegal gambling, they think that a, a lottery will be a windfall. And that this is there's all this money that's already being spent on gambling, and you know all we have to do is legalize the lottery. Um, so just to answer the second half of your question, New Jersey 
solve some of these problems. The New Hampshire and the New York lotteries, the first two, were just absolute duds. The games mm-hmm. were so complicated. They're based on these historical horse races, and <laughs> yeah. they're sort of like raffle-type games. It's just not even worth getting into. And the ticket tickets are expensive. You have to like write your name on all of them. And the New Jersey just is like, all right, we're just going to have a weekly lottery. And we're just going to do away with it. And then pretty quickly, they like, okay, we're going to add a daily numbers as well. So they really, um, they have cheaper tickets, faster drawings, faster payouts. Uh, and that's what really sparks the spread of state lotteries uh, across the region uh, in the early 70s. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. For more than 30 years, SCCG Management has set a standard of excellence unmatched in the global gaming industry. From startups to established companies, SCCG Management and its team of experienced leaders help each of their clients navigate the ever-changing, fast-moving business of gaming in all its forms. Sports betting, iGaming, eSports, casino technology, SCCG Management provides a global network to connect its clients with the right strategic partners for growth on a global scale. SCCG also works with entrepreneurs, providing capital and resources to assist in the development of new and innovative projects products and platforms. Whether you're looking to enter the U.S. market, expand your reach to other parts of the world, or establish your business in the global gaming industry, look to SCCG Management for the guidance you need. SCCGmanagement.com, expert solutions for strategic success. You're listening to House of Cards. I'm talking sick piles of money. I'm talking lay on your bed in your Vegas room, throw the money in the air, and dance as it showers down on your money. I'm talking frosted glass limo money. I'm talking big cowboy hat, silver, turquoise buckle money. I'm talking gambling. I am in love with you. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. This portion of House of Cards is brought to you by SCCG Management, delivering technology-driven capability expertise and customer and business value to the gaming industry for over 30 years. For more information, go to sccgmanagement.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. You know, you mentioned illegal gambling. I mean, one of the arguments in the debate on whether to allow legal state lotteries is the presence of organized crime and illegal gambling. I mean, some felt it would stimulate organized crime and others felt it would take away money from the mob and put them out of business. I mean, we're kind of having that same debate now about sports betting in this country. Has either side of of the debate been proven wrong or right, or or is that still to be determined? Yeah, I mean, what's tough is like if you take that argument to its logical extreme, then like, oh, the state should like sell heroin, yeah, because oh, heroin is happening anyway, so should the state sell heroin? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I think that there's a line somewhere. Um, I, I think one thing that has been proven wrong uh, is this belief that oh, all these people who are already betting 
Um, they're the only ones who are going to play once it's legal. Like, oh, legalization is just going to capture money that's already being spent on gambling. Yes. That has been proven time and time again to be untrue, that we've seen it, uh, in, in lotteries, in sports betting now, with marijuana legalization, that legalization of a product increases the audience and increases the number of people who participate. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing necessarily, just that argument that this is already happening illegally, illegally, so we might as well legalize, that has has fallen short time and time again. You know, I, I like the fact that you brought up the people who play the lottery, and one of the uh, sections of I found very interesting in your book is – the mindset of some people who play the lottery. I mean, some people who prayed to win the lottery, and, and you brought up an interesting court case about uh, people praying to God and the saints and helping them win, and it was a very interesting court case that you brought up. I'm going to tease that so people can pick up the book and read about it. And then some other people felt they deserved to win because of the type of person they were. And uh, and even on this show, we've had a lot of professional gamblers come on this show who were selling books. And one of the sections of their books that they've written was how to play the lottery better. I mean, I didn't know they could right. do that, but okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, buy, mean, buy more tickets. Yeah, yeah. But, but in writing this book, did you find that a lot of people believe that they actually have some kind of small control over the outcome of the lottery drawing? Absolutely, and I think really? we 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 see this we see this in a lot more ways than you might think. I think the the practice of playing special numbers is a sort of a form of exerting control. The practice, and this is really weird, but it is established in a, in a major study. The practice of picking which store you buy your tickets from, <laughs> even though every store can sell the same tickets, you, especially if you're playing like Powerball, every sell, store can sell a ticket with the same numbers, but people go. And this is borne out in a major study. People go to stores where winners have bought their tickets thinking that the luck will somehow rub off on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the most sort of pervasive practice and one that's sort of invisible and sort of below the surface and, and that you alluded to are folks who pray uh, to win the lottery or use positive thinking or affirmations to the thinking that it will help them win. Um, and in the process, uh, as I argue, they sort of take the lottery, which is the quintessential uh, form of chance and yeah. randomness in society, and they transform it into what, what part of the meritocracy, something that rewards the just and the deserving and where a, a way for good things to happen to good people, which is just totally uh, – let's say not borne out by mathematical reasoning yeah, right. uh, at the very least. I, I love the term that you quoted. They call it the culture of control. I, th- I thought it was such an interesting conversation in the book. Yeah. And, and just to, to explain, so the, the culture of control is this belief that good things happen to good people, bad things happen yeah. to bad people. Um, and I see one, one example of this, and I, I have, didn't write, write about it as much in the book, but I've, I've written about it elsewhere, um, is the myth of the miserable lottery winner. <laughs> the belief, and it's a total myth, the belief that bad things happen to lottery winners because they didn't really deserve their money. So they suffer some comeuppance mm-hmm. uh, because they don't know how to handle it. And it's totally not true. Lottery winners do just fine, by and large. There's like like five examples of lottery winners who lost their money, and those get quoted in every single article um, that perpetuates this story. Uh, but this belief that, that we want to have that these people who are luckier than us don't actually deserve it uh, is just so pervasive. And the fact that everyone knows about this myth, but the fact that it is an actual myth, uh, I think is really telling. 
You know, one of the things that really spurred the growth of the lottery was the work of a company called Scientific Games. And for people out there, they're still around. They're now called Light and Wonder. I, they changed their name. I don't know why they changed their name. They changed it like every five years yeah, to avoid it, lawsuits and yeah, stuff. I, yeah. guess, <laughs> I guess so. It's it's Light and Wonder now. But But tell us about the company, Scientific Games, and what was their effect on the lottery in this country? Yeah, it's 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 absolutely huge, and it's a totally uh, unknown story that I was that I was happy to uncover. So, Scientific Games uh, is the creator of Scratch Tickets, um, it, which debuted in Massachusetts in 1974 um, and sort of quickly saturate the the nation. Um, but until 1977, uh, lotteries are confined in the urban. Uh, in the, excuse me, they're confined in the Northeast. Um, there are only 14 states. Um, and Scientific Games is sort of selling its its scratch tickets like hotcakes, but it wants to expand the market. Uh, it needs more states to legalize lotteries so that it can sell more scratch tickets. Um, and what it does in in Arizona, in Oregon, California, the District of Columbia, Missouri, Iowa, uh, Colorado, is it swamps the initiative process. So these are states where you know a, a voter or any person can sort of get, collect signatures. Put a ballot initiative on the on the ballot for voters to to, to decide. If fifty percent of people say yes, that law goes through. No amount of of governors or state legislators can interfere. So what Scientific Games does is it pays companies to gather signatures. It writes the bills themselves. It pays advertising. And it puts these lottery bills on the ballot and tells people, hey, a lottery in California, for example, isn't about educa- isn't about gambling, it's about education. And in Colorado, the lottery in Colorado isn't about uh, gambling, it's about public parks. And if you support public parks, you should support the lottery. And they pass the lottery in, in all these states that I mentioned. I mean, that's really what sparks their spread in the mid-1980s. Um, and, you know, Scientific Games, for their part, you know, wins the contract in basically all of these states uh, and sort of living high on the land on, on these this 10% uh, or so of, of – of every lottery dollar um, that goes to administration costs. You know, scientific games seem to shift the proposal for the lotteries to focus more on specific government programs. Was that the blueprint going forward, that lotteries were not money going to the states? It was money going to the states for a specific purpose. Is that what happened after scientific games? Yeah, that, that's about right. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, and the quotes that you've seen from New Jersey are just crazy. People really thought that a lottery was going to solve all of their state's financial problems. They really thought it was going to be they were never going to have to pay taxes again because there was going to be a lottery. Um, and, you know, evidence by the late 70s it shows that that's just not true. Um, so rather than sort of put the money in the general fund for, you know, it'll make a it'll make a small difference, but it won't really change anything. What Scientific Games does is particularize the promise of the lottery. They say, we're going to help this one specific program, um, and that's what's on the ballot. Um, and so, yes, uh, you're exactly right where they, where they make it more specific. And to their credit, it absolutely works because they win uh, basically every every vote that they get involved in. Now, Scientific Games is a private company. How much did the private sector affect the growth of the lottery in the United States? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, so as I mentioned, around ten percent of lottery every lottery dollar goes to the administration costs, and that includes um, advertising. Uh, there's another, I should say, five to six percent that goes to the retailers that sell and cash tickets. So, without um, you know retailers, and and it took a little while, but eventually, sort of lottery settled on convenience stores, grocery stores, liquor stores as sort of their, their stable base of, of retailers. Um, 
without those kind of that that kind of built-in market, the lotteries would have spread a lot more slowly, or the lotteries would be a lot smaller than they are today. Um, and, and sort of similarly on the back end, a lot of these companies not just scientific games, but some of their competitors and even some smaller companies along the way were really integral in providing, you know, computer services, ticket services, advertising services um, that help lotteries grow. Because if you think about it, this is a brand new industry when it starts. And these companies, have, these these state officials, a lot of them are FBI, former FBI officials, because states are so worried about organized crime that they bring in all these FBI agents to run the state lotteries. And they have no idea how to run a gambling game. They don't have, they've, you know, they have no background in this stuff. And it's these companies who are able to sort of kickstart the process. And then ultimately sort of, they have a, they have a lot of say uh, in the process and they're, and they're the ones who are innovating and creating new games, creating new ways to play, creating new cost of tickets, uh, dividing new advertising. Um, and they're really an understated and overlooked part uh, of the American gambling economy. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. House of Cards is brought to you by BetMGM Casino. Play your favorite casino games at BetMGM Online Casino. Go to BetMGM Casino, create an account using our promo code TURNPIKE, and become a verified player. New players get $25 free when signing up, plus a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TURNPIKE at BetMGM.com for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 plus $25 free. Must be 21 years or older to place a bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to the House of Cards. Why, you cheap crook, stealing a baby's bank. It's only a lend-lease. I figured a bet on the 50-to-one shot and double the baby's money. Why, you imbecile. Why don't you pick a 100-to-one shot and triple it? Oh, okay. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishuttle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by BetMGM Casino. Play your favorite casino games at BetMGM Online Casino. Slots, table games, live dealer games, everything you love about Atlantic City and Vegas, all online at BetMGM. Go to BetMGM Casino, create an account using our promo code TURNPIKE, and become a verified player. New players get $25 free when signing up, plus a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TURNPIKE at BetMGM.com for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 plus $25 free. Must be 21 years or older to place a bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. Now, you mentioned the Powerball jackpot uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and recently lottery jackpots have grown to astronomical levels. I mean, when I was growing yeah. up in New Jersey, New York area, I remember the news reports and all the hype around lotto and lotto mania that you referred to in your book. You, you brought back memories. <laughs> when, when it came, of, of the forty million dollar jackpot that would freak everybody out, and nowadays, like yeah, forty million dollars is like you don't even get out of bed for it. I, I mean, 
but I was in the store a couple of weeks ago, and and someone was in front of me, and they asked their friend, "Are you, you going to buy the lottery?" And they said, "No, it's only twenty million this week." I was like, "What are people thinking?" But 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 when it comes to prizes offered, what's changed in the business practices of the lottery to allow these prizes to get so big? I mean. Are, were people just expecting bigger and bigger prizes as time went on? Is that what they had to do to accommodate their customers? That's that's definitely a big part of it, and, and it's what a lottery officials call jackpot fatigue. Yeah, uh, which is what you know the forty million dollar jackpot that set New York aflame in nineteen eighty four. You know now that's just sort of the starting point, or until twenty twenty, that was a starting point for Powerball and Mega Millions. Um, on, on the business side, on the industry side, a lot of it has to do with the rise of multi state games. Um, so what you're recalling from New Jersey and New York, these were only in the states themselves. And states did have a little bit of an, arm, an arms race where New Jersey would lower its odds of winning to help create bigger jackpots. And then New York would lower its odds of winning to create bigger jackpots. So they were sort of competing with one another. And then eventually states started banding together. Uh, and in 1987 is where we get the sort of a game called Lotto America, Lotto America that is ultimately going to become Powerball. And this is a group of small states who are who basically can't compete with all the big states nearby um, to, to offer bigger jackpots. And eventually, nowadays, we have Powerball and Mega Millions, both of which are available in all 45 lottery states, mm-hmm. which is how we get these astronomical jackpots. Uh, I'd say the other factor is the absolutely terrible odds of winning, um, but people don't really care about the odds of winning. They just care about how big, how big the jackpot is when they do win. You know, we talked about the media, but I'm curious, what was the effect of advertising on the growth of the lottery? I mean, I'm, I'm here in New Jersey. I get all the lottery ads from New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. By the way, Pennsylvania yeah. actually has a recurring character in their lottery ads, Gus the Groundhog, who is the second most famous groundhog in Pennsylvania after Punxsutawney Phil. But how, how did advertising affect the growth of the lottery? Yeah, well, I would say lottery advertising today, uh, maybe Gus aside, uh, is a lot a lot more tame than it used to be. Okay. It used to be really in your face. It used to be really like, hey, hey, you, you're going to win the lottery. Or, hey, winning the lottery is really fun. You should buy a ticket. Um, and, and lotteries have sort of calmed that down in part because they know they can't keep promising people a jackpot when, when people sort of generally know the odds of winning are terrible. Um, but But that was – that definitely helped inculcate uh, the desire for wealth, the desire to win, and it, advertising absolutely helped make lottery playing a daily or weekly or monthly practice for a lot of people. Um, the other side, and, and we can get into this in more detail, is the lottery has created a belief, a mistaken belief, but a belief that the lottery is solving all of states' financial problems or that some the massive share of lottery dollars goes to the state, which is not the case. Um, and that has sort of warped people's belief about all the good the lottery does or doesn't do, um, and then how much states uh, have to work with uh, on the financial side, thanks to thanks to the gambling uh, the gambling world. Well, let's talk about a state and a state that's been in the news recently, um, and it was one a very interesting topic in your book for a dollar and a dream state lotteries in modern America. Was the effect of the issue of the lottery, what it had on the effect of the politics of Georgia? I mean, uh, Governor Zell Miller won an election because one of his main issues was the lottery. In fact, he called his election the referendum on the lottery. And he also had the HOPE program, which was an important program when he was governor, which involved the lottery. Tell us about the effect that the lottery had on the state of Georgia. 
Sure. And, and I'll just by way of background, you know, lotteries, um, maybe listeners will probably not be surprised to hear sort of took a while to get into the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. compared to other parts of the country um, because of, you know, the large evangelical uh, Christian population, which has been sort of the most vocally um, against lotteries uh, in, in every in basically every state. Um, but but Zell Miller, who you, who you alluded to, um, who is sort of the central character uh, in the lottery story in Georgia, he's basically a governor, uh, a, excuse me, a Democrat running for governor at a time when the state is turning more and more Republican. And his sort of Hail Mary uh, last-ditch effort to win the governorship, uh, which he does both in 1992 um, and then 1996, um, I, I might have those years wrong, it might be 1990, 1994, um, excuse me, what, what he does to win two gubernatorial elections is he basically bets everything, pun intended, uh, on the lottery. And um, he says, as you alluded to, the lottery is, he basically turns it into a referendum for education. And this is this is sort of the, the genius part. It's not lottery for education in the way that it is in New York. And in New York, every lottery dollar that goes into the education fund, one standard dollar comes out. So the lottery doesn't actually help education. It doesn't supplement uh, uh, money that's spent on education. It just supplants it. And Zell Miller says, oh, I'm going to fix that by creating these brand new education programs that are going to be that are going to appear out of thin air. Once we enact the lottery, and there and there are two of them. One is universal pre-kindergarten programs, uh, which are which are great, and I think more states should look into. And the other, as you alluded to, is the Hope Scholarship, uh, which is an in-state uh, college uh, tuition grant uh, for Georgia students to go to Georgia universities. Um, so this is meant to sort of inspire more kids to go to college, and then especially inspire more kids to go to in-state uh, colleges and universities. Uh, an ironic result, a consequence is that because it's a merit-based scholarship rather than a need-based scholarship, uh, we get a lot of um, poor, blacker, uh, black and brown, uh, low-income uh, families who are buying lottery tickets, and the sh- people going to school on the scholarships are disproportionately white, middle-class suburbanites. Uh, that's, a, that's a separate issue that we can get into, but it is totally the Hope Scholarship, and anyone you know from Georgia is familiar with the Hope Scholarship, has totally changed uh, the politics and the economics um, of education in Georgia for the last 20-plus uh, years. You know, what was interesting to me was the incredible growth of the lottery in this country to the point where there are only five states that do not have a lottery. Those states are Alabama, Alaska, Hawaii, Utah, and surprisingly, Nevada. Do you see these states ever get in the lottery or is they're just holdouts and they're never going to accept the lottery in their border? So Alabama's been trying to for almost 20 years or over 20 years. They elected uh, Don Siegelman governor in 1998 sort of on the promise of the lottery. And then the following year, voters rejected a referendum for a lottery. So I don't know what's going on down there. Um, uh, you know, Mississippi enacted a lottery in 2018. So I thought that that would sort of spark uh, Miss, uh, Alabama to get its stuff together. And, and so far, it just hasn't. Um, Utah, uh, Hawaii, you may know, are the only two states without any form of legalized gambling altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's in the cards there. Uh, Alaska has some very limited tribal racing, uh, tribal gaming and dog racing. But, you know, I don't I don't think the the uh, geography of Alaska is particularly well suited um, to a state lottery. Though I also felt that way about Wyoming and then they proved me wrong. So what do I know? Um, and then Nevada. I mean, you said it's ironic. I think the, the casino um, 
operators and anyone who's been to Nevada knows there's slot machines and, and blackjack machines in every uh, supermarket. They don't want competition uh, for, for that, for that dollar. So that's, uh, I don't, I don't think it's happening anywhere other than Alabama, which I would keep my eye on for the next couple of years. Do you think the lottery achieved what the States hoped it would achieve for them? Has, has it reached its goal or has it, has it fallen short of some of the promises the States have uh, alluded yeah. to for the lottery? Yeah. It's a good question. On paper, They've achieved their goal in that they've raised, uh, I think by last I checked, it was like $252 billion over the course over the entire lifetime um, for states, uh, which is which is great. And that's a lot of money. And that's a lot of money Americans would have had to pay in taxes that they now they didn't have to. Um, but it has absolutely not fallen, not not met the promised in terms of what the expectations were. And that's a part of the, partly the fault of the fact that expectations were just so high. Mm-hmm. And the hopes, um, whether in, in New Jersey in the 60s, in California in the 80s, in Georgia in the 90s, that a lottery was going to solve all their state's budget problems, solve all their state's education problems, solve, you know, create this brand new scholarship, which actually did not exist before and does now. So, yes, they've and one on the one hand, they've raised a lot of money and it's been great. On the other hand, compared to what states expected, what they hoped for compared to, you know, how the lottery lottery is only a relatively small, 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 small share of states total income. They've absolutely fallen short. Where do you think the lottery is headed in the future? I mean, I'm of the age where if I bought a lottery ticket, it's either at a grocery store or a convenience store. But now people are buying tickets online through things like Jackpocket. Is the lottery headed online or will people continue to get tickets from the stores or the grocery stores and convenience stores? Um, Where do you think people can expect the lottery to go to in the future? Yeah, I, I think I think that that's a it's a it's a good question. There are definitely I think that we're always going to have the the in person component, and there are always going to be folks um, who want to sort of feel the scratch ticket in their hands, uh, kind of thing. The, lotteries are absolutely pushing um, both online and then also in some states. I'm from Massachusetts originally, where until very recently you could only buy tickets in cash, and they're trying to sort of move 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 us uh, into into the cashless economy. Um, Online definitely seems to be the future, uh, but I actually don't know how well it's going to go because indications are that that Gen Z and and millennials are just not interested in lotteries uh, to the degree that that older generations are. Um, you know, I wonder with things like with crypto, with with Robinhood, um, with with sports betting now, um, if that revenue is just being spent elsewhere and folks, you know, feel like they have a better chance or a better chance at winning uh, in, in some of these other places um, where they also, you know, it's not a total crapshoot, uh, pun intended, um, uh, as to how, how much how much they're going to get back. So the states are going online with the attempt to appeal to these betters, but I think there's going to need to be more done um, if states, you know, want to get younger folks on the, on the line. Um, there's going to need to be a, a lot more than just creating a new app uh, to do so. Jonathan, we're running out of time, but where can people pick up your book for a dollar and a dream state lotteries in modern America? And if you have a website or a social media address that you want to give out, please feel free to do so. Uh, sure. Thank you. My website is just jonathandcohen.com. Uh, book uh, available anywhere books are sold, including Audible, uh, where there's a, a great audiobook version. Um, and I'm always happy if folks have you know, lottery stories, uh, questions about lottery history. I'm always happy to, to meet with folks and, and conduct interviews like this one and, and answer questions um, about what I think is a really important topic that, that reveals a lot about American society and American culture. 
Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar in a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the book. The lottery is something that some people play every day, and it was so interesting learning about the history behind the game. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Interest rates and inflation are out of control. Is your credit card debt also out of control? It's time to resolve your debt and take back control for a lot less than what you owe. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, then you need to call us right now. Debt Fix Pros can significantly reduce the amount you owe, and you could be debt-free faster than you think. I knew we had to do something. Our debt was growing. It was getting out of control, and we just didn't know what to do. We saw an ad for Debt Fix Pros. We called and they showed us how fast they could get us out of debt. It really was amazing. And now we're back in control. Call now and we'll show you how easy it is to fix your debt. The call and consultation are free. Call Debt Fix Pros right now at 800-605-3103-800-605-3103-800-605-3103. People gotta win sometimes. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a giant, colorful check to deposit. Welcome to another edition of Beating the House. I'm Doug Weishel here with Dave Weishel. We're going to be crisscrossing the country, the continent, sometimes even the world, talking about the latest jackpots in the casino and uh, lottery industries. If it's $100,000 or more, we will be talking about it on this show. This week, we're actually going to be just staying within the United States. Oh, okay. So it's a uh, domestic kind of a report for you right and okay. we're going to begin our domestic flight okay. at the harry reed international airport how's that for a segue there have been so many jackpots one at harry reed international airport it, it's mind-blowing that this is an airport where you can wait for your flight to uh, it, that's the best way to do it all airlines or air, airports should have a casino in them what, what a way to kill like a couple hours you know well, again, you know, there's only so much you can do in an airport anyway. You got well, to wait well, for your a, flight. That's eat, what I'm talking drink, about. And, and plus, you have to be there a couple hours ahead of time. Yes. You might as well do something. You might as well try and win some money. To get that nice uh, touching by the TSA as you wait to board your airport. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, uh, but here we have a traveler who basically made the most of their time here with a slot jackpot at the Harry Reid International Airport. By the way, there are twitter handle is still interesting to me it's las airport las airport really yes. it's uh, las vegas las oh, oh. yeah so it's, it's kind of weird that they have that as their okay. twitter handle right. or x handle i should say all right but here we have a lucky traveler playing the wild wild buffalo slot game by aristocrat gaming okay another buffalo themed game from aristocrat sure three dollar bet by the way wow okay. winning one million $31,199.36. See, that's awesome. That's incredible. My, my, my question always when I see these uh, jackpots at Harry International Airport, 
do they make their flights on time? Because if you win something that big, there has to be, you know, it has to be verified. I'm sure there's documents you have to fill out, you know, tax documents. And, you know, you have to transfer this probably into your bank account. That big check is not the official check. So, uh, you know, there has to be some kind of paperwork going on here. So um, I'm just curious if these people who win these jackpots at the airport make their flight. I'm sure they don't mind if you win a million bucks. I can, I can, I'll take the next flight. But uh, you know, I'm my, just my response if I ever won something like that at an airport, a flight. Yeah, I'm I don't staying. know. No, I'm staying for just this is a little. The greatest longer. place on exactly. earth. I'm not leaving. So. But every so often, I think it's been almost every month, if not every other month, we get a Harry Reid jackpot. Well, I, you know what? It's because the travelers, I mean. What Vegas is going through right now, they have some big events. There's a lot of traffic going through that airport, a lot of yes. travelers and things like that. So, uh, you know, the the, um, the amount of people visiting Vegas right now, I th- it probably is at an all-time high. And a lot of people going through Harry Reid International Airport. And, and, you know, if you're sitting around, you might as well try your luck on the slot machines. Well, if you look at the Convention and Visitors Authority reports that come out every month, they are setting records. For, yeah, that's for what I'm saying. I mean, so, the amount of people going yeah. through Harry Reid International Airport is incredible. So, you know, everyone's sitting around waiting and, you know, hey. Well, we're leaving the airport now. Okay. Un- unlike the winter here, probably stayed a couple extra days. Uh, we are going to New Jersey. Okay. Cross country to FanDuel Casino. It's an online casino, but still technically in New Jersey because it was a New Jersey player. Well, sure. Yeah. And we're actually going to be talking about this a little bit again later on in the show because we have our first set of Jersey jackpots oh, for 2024. Okay. So this is part of the Jersey yes. jackpot. Oh, okay. uh, this was actually, I got it from uh, FanDuel itself, press release. Mm-hmm. $502,000 wow. single spin playing the Blazing Bison Gold Blitz. Oh, no, another Buffalo-themed uh, machine, huh? Not, no, you shouldn't call it a machine. It's in a slot game online. But, you know, w- when you say a single spin, I mean, this, they, said they sat down spin. and they played once yep. and they get $500,000. According to FanDuel, it was a single spin on the game. All right. Okay. Yeah, you, usually if it's been a while, you know, like 20 minutes I, I'm just or so, trying they to say think, the time frame. But oh, this was yeah, a I'm, single I'm trying spin. to think if it was a single spin or if it was, you know, there, you know, it, it wasn't a accumulation of the time on it but you know i guess if they're saying a single spin they said a single spin all right okay so now we're leaving new jersey and going back out to vegas i should probably organize these geographically make it a little bit more easier Well, how do you organize them i do it by the amount oh okay they start at the top and go down okay uh we're going to las vegas we're going to paris paris las vegas Mm mm-hmm uh, guest visiting Paris was rolling into the weekend with extra cash after winning a six-figure jackpot on Thursday night, 11 p.m. Okay. Uh, good way to start the weekend. Sure. A I Caesars see. Reward member, mega progressive jackpot, mega progressive jackpot, playing crazy for poker at Paris, Las Vegas, 389753 bucks. Wow. Okay. So... Uh, let me, let me tell you something. We've been having a whole string of poker table games mm-hmm. that have been paying off a lot lately, especially in Nevada. Good. Yeah, yeah. And it's just continuing into 2024 here. Now we're going back east. We're going to Everett, Massachusetts for the Encore Boston Harbor. Notice I said Everett and not Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ever, Encore Boston Harbor, we've got a pair of jackpots. We've got a Super Force side bet in blackjack, which okay. is that side bet where... 
you have to make match your cards with the dealer cards and make the best poker hand. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I, I love extra all these stuff. Of I, thinking. See, I see. That's great that people are winning. I'm, I'm just I. I'm more into the traditional blackjack or the traditional poker. You know, it, it's great that they're combining them, and obviously, it's working out for a lot of people. But my my mind doesn't work like that. I have to kind of focus in on one rules of a game. Maybe. Well, maybe I ought to try it. So. If I remember correctly, Encore Boston Harbor was the area where the traditional blackjack players had issues with their six to five versus three to two oh, and well, all that stuff. Know. That weird stuff that was going on. That's still. Go- I think that's still going. No, on, I don't isn't think it? so. No, no. But here we have the Super Four side bet, uh, one hundred and forty-one thousand fifty-eight bucks, mm-hmm. and the second one, uh, same week, two, huh? Yes, we have Ultimate Texas Hold'em, a poker table game now. Okay. Uh, 297920 bucks. Oh, okay. Great. No word on how long either of these two players were playing, but they happened in the same week, which is unusual for well, Encore that, look, Boston Harbor. That's great. Uh, I mean, they're, they're working a lot of jackpots from Encore Boston Harbor, and it's uh Yeah, but cool. we're not getting none of the money. Well, okay. We well, can report I, I, I on the jackpots, put, but none of the money. It's a, it's a great casino. Played there yeah. a couple times. It's really fun. and you It's know, actually fu- yeah, it's a fun it's, place. It's absolutely beautiful, so it's it's incredible. Casino. You know, other other than maybe Borgata, it may be the best-looking casino on the East Coast that I've seen. Oh, sure. Sure. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're gonna leaving uh, Encore, and we're going back out to Nevada again. Mm-hmm. And as I just said, we've you know, poker table games in Nevada have been paying out. We have another poker table game here. Okay. I Love Suits Poker. Didn't we have that last week? We had two. We had, what, what is this I Love Suits it's Poker? It's been around for I I know. I, I've heard about it. I just don't, you know. As a matter of fact. I wonder I if think, I can play it online. I don't know uh, if you can play it online, but uh, the next time you're in Lang City, walk through a couple yeah, of the casinos. I've seen it in several I casinos mean, uh, down there. It, I mean, was this the third jackpot in two weeks? Third or fourth. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Incredible. Well, we, I, was I Love Suits Poker. Yeah, L-U-V. Okay. As a matter of fact, I think some of the signs just have the heart when okay. you're walking yeah. through the casino. I'll, I'll check it out. I mean, uh, We've got the Flamingo Las Vegas here. Uh, California visitor, six cards straight flush for one hundred thirteen thousand five hundred eighty-one bucks. Wow. Okay. Um, I wish we had another one, but now we're moving over to South Point Hotel okay. Casino, staying in Nevada. Triple star slot machine. We've got a fifty-dollar spin, churning out a hundred thousand dollars. It's a good investment. You know, I, 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 I got. I, I can't no, pull the. I can't yeah. pull the lever on a fifty. <laughs> this is my no pers- pun intended. This I can't is my pull the lever per- on this a is my personal thing. Bet. South Point Hotel and Casinos, great casino. But every time I hear South Point, I think of sportsbook, and I, I never think of the casino until we do these uh, reports. But it's a great casino. Really yeah. pays off a lot. So. Still one of the best sportsbooks out oh, there. Oh sure, too. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now we get to Jersey Jackpots, our first edition for 2024. Oh, it's the first of the year, huh? As a matter of fact, when I, when I got the uh, spreadsheet from the Division of Gaming Enforcement, by the way, for all of you, Division of Gaming Enforcement reports on $50,000 or more. We focus on $100,000 mm-hmm. or more. So there's a lot more Jersey Jackpots than what Not you're as saying. much as you were, you would think. Oh, In the first okay. two weeks of January, as a matter of fact, the last day was on the spreadsheet. This time was the 12th or the 13th of January. Mm-hmm. Um, only ten jackpots given out. Okay, so five I got, of them. I got to tell you, uh, right now Atlantic City is the focus of the poker world with Borgata, Borgata winner, winner, winner open. poker open. Yep. So you know everyone's uh, getting great reports out of there. So uh, record breaking crowds, I think. So. Yes. Well, we actually have five jackpots of a hundred thousand dollars or more. Uh, as a matter of fact, we talked about one already. Okay. January first. Ocean Resort Casino. Love that place. By, by the way, I'll, I'll add that into one of the 
nice best one. looking hotel yeah. uh, hotel casinos. You were you, mentioning other than Borgata, yes, uh, Encore Boston Harbor. You know, I I would put this in uh, that upper echelon of yeah. great looking hotel and casinos. Before the remodel, not so much, but they put more know. space on the casino floor. Sure, so yeah. that made it a little bit better. It makes oh, it yeah. spread it out a little bit more. We have two hundred twenty six thousand seven hundred twenty seven dollars and ninety five cents playing Aristocrats Dragon Link. You know, when you get aristocrats, either going to be some kind of dragon or some kind of buffalo. Okay. Kind of interesting. January 3rd, $100,000 on FanDuel.com playing Light and Wonders Dancing Drums Explosion. Fun game. I've we actually it. haven't had one of those in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, January 4th, this is the uh, FanDuel one we talked about earlier, $502,650. And they, in the spreadsheet, it was Betfair Casino, but it's still FanDuel Casino. Okay. okay. Digital's Blazing Bison Gold Blitz Mobile. That's okay. the actual formal name of it that's reported to the Division of Gaming Enforcement. Okay. And our last two of twenty of the first report of 2024, we've got January 6th, two brick-and-mortar ones, okay. Ocean Resort Casino and Hard Rock this time, too. Oh, okay. We've got $119,164 at Ocean, playing Aristocrats, Lightning Buffalo Link. There's the Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And then $108,035.70 at Hard Rock Atlantic City, playing Light and Wonders, Fire Link Cash Falls. Okay. I've By never the heard way, of that one. Never heard of that one. But if, uh, if I've seen the Fire Link Cash Falls on a couple of the online casinos. All right. Very interesting to watch that as you play. Okay. It looks like a Slingo thing, but See, it's really you, just lining up all these the names out, fireballs. It, it, these are, it's probably one of those machines that... I recognize if I'm walking on the casino floor, yeah. But you know, to actually know their official names, so I I I, I probably have seen this on the the uh, the floor, but you know, I I don't know the name. I don't know some some of these official names. Quite honestly, I have never seen this on a floor. Oh, okay. And but it's it's but in Hard Rock. Obviously, obviously, it's on the floor. Yeah, it's, it's on, in Hard Rock. One hundred eight thousand dollars on it. Yeah, and seventy cents. Don't forget the seventy yeah. cents. All right, that's it for the casino jackpots. We now have a few lottery stories to go through. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start off with the Virginia Lottery and a strategy I still can't fathom. Oh, is this one of those strategies where someone buys 100 tickets of all the same number kind of thing? Not 100, but 30. Okay, well, that's he didn't right. go, I, I, he didn't I, I, go too crazy. I was just crazy. making an example of it. But, he didn't but, go too no. crazy. I don't know. I, I, it, obviously, you're reporting on it. Obviously, that kind of strategy pays off. But I don't know. If I'm, if I'm buying, how many did he buy or how many did this Thir- person buy? 30 pick four lottery tickets. 30. See, I would. A bucket I, ticket. I'd kind of mix it up a little bit. But, you know, obviously it works. So don't listen to me. I Obviously, uh, th- this this strategy works for some people. So. Same combination. Okay. 1129. 1129. Okay. All of them won. $150,000 total. Total. Okay. Yes. Now, he is a big believer in this strategy because it worked for him once before. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I, d- don't listen to me. I see if I, if you give me 50 bucks and tell me to play the lottery, I'd mix it up a bit. Yeah. But obviously, some people say, you know, do all the same number. So I'd actually probably do know. 50 quick picks. Maybe, it, maybe it'd work. Uh, he won $125,000 last May with 25. Last May? Yeah. Well, in May, 2023. Wow. Okay. With 25 right. pick four tickets. Jeez, same right. number. Didn't say what the numbers were in I'll, the press release. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll yes. get ten bucks and <laughs> do uh, all the same number drawings. See how it works. Probably it's a small sample size, but you know. Next story from the Virginia Lottery. We have a winner who only plays the lottery in December. 
Interesting. Uh, well, Virginia Lottery has the New Year's Millionaire Raffle at the end of every year. Wait, wait, were we talking about what Virginia? You said Virginia. Yes, yeah, staying in Virginia. Oh, we're staying in Virginia. Yes, these are the same. Oh, wow. Okay, yes, we big ha- month for Virginia, huh? This this woman goes by the name Janice. Okay, uh, I don't say the last names on the air. Um, she only plays the lottery in December in Virginia because of the New Year's Millionaire Raffle. Now this year or this past New Year, she was out of the country. Oh, okay. So she got off the plane, and as she was walking off her plane, she was starting to check her app, and she found she won a million dollars. Wow! That's so great. as soon as she got off the plane, she was a millionaire. Wow! Wow! What a talk! Talk about you know, <laughs> it's a great story. I like yeah, that. Returning home from vacation for a lot of people is not fun, but this this yeah. actually was a great yeah. time to get home from vacation. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to Janice. And now we are going out to the Michigan Lottery. We've got a Michigan Lottery, $110,000 jackpot playing the Michigan Lottery's Fantasy Five double play game. Um, He was, uh, he's been playing these numbers for a while and it was one of those things where he uh, was actually checking his results while bowling. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm always curious when someone's in, you know, we always have these keynote winners and these these casino winners. I'm very curious of what their reactions are at the moment they realize they win. I mean, this guy was in, what, a uh, bowling alley? I mean, did he jump up or did he play it cool? Or I'm, I'm just curious how that happened. He actually said he didn't check it the entire num- the entire ticket he had. He actually pulled up the app mm-hmm. while bowling, and he was a little distracted because the game was going sure, on. Sure, So he checked his Fantasy Five results, saw that he had three of the five numbers. Okay. And then put the app away. Wow, that's amazing self-control. I'd be, uh, <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd hold up the game to check yes. the rest of the ticket. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, he actually waited until his turn was over. Then he went back to the app. Check the rest of the ticket. See, that's a bowler. That's a bowler. That's for a you. bowler. See, you know what? I okay. I got three yes. numbers of the lottery. Oh wait, I got to bowl some. Uh, it's my he turn. He took his to turn bowl and he went and, back. You know, and, wow. And then he went that's... back and checked it again. Good for him, though. He, he was into the game. So still didn't believe it. So after he was done bowling, okay, he went home. And right. checked it again and found he hit all five numbers for the fantasy five. Wow! To get the hundred and ten thousand wow. dollar jackpot and a great night of bowling. No word on what he did on the bowling. Well, I don't think he cares what he did. I don't think anybody cares anymore either. Well, good for him. I wonder if he paid for the bowling night. Uh, let me. Th- I, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm still shocked he checked three of the numbers and went back to bowling. So I, it's okay. Well, good for him. Well, following along on that theme. See, that's focused. That's a focused athlete there. Here's this there one. Go. Listen to this one. Maryland Lottery now. Okay. We have a player who won and has decided to go by the name of Silver Dove for the press release. All right. Chosen an anonymous name, a moniker, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. She was sitting in a garage waiting for her car to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Decided to check the Fast Play Extreme Ticket games that she bought. All right. And, you know, while she was waiting, she found out that she had won. Wow. Okay. She she on one of her uh, one of her tickets, the twenty dollar extreme green ticket. Mm-hmm. They're fast play tickets. They're, okay. Um, she had to sit still, wait for the car to be done, maintained her composure, got into the car, and started celebrating the nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars wow. win wow. she got from this ticket. Can you imagine if she was in the uh, 
the mechanics and she screamed i won the lottery oh they'd be rotating our tires oh you yeah. know oh, you need a new fuel injection here uh, oh your ac is done i have to do all this oh they'd so, be making up names amazing of amazing self-control yes. good for her actual good number nine hundred and fifty three thousand two hundred eighty dollars the progressive jackpot for the extreme green <laughs> twenty dollar ticket i still wouldn't buy a twenty dollar ticket well but, uh, you know, obviously it's a great yes. investment yeah you know? so uh well good for and good for her keeping her composure yes. in the mechanics office and or waiting for her car to be done and you know so and this game this uh extreme green fast play ticket mm-hmm. was just launched back in january of last year 2023 this is only the second progressive jackpot one oh, and it's, okay. but it's the largest well, the big one was 713,000 yeah. back in april this was 953,000 so stay with this maryland this is maryland oh good for maryland we don't do too many. Mar- I, I remember the one big Maryland story we had was the girl one big at the casino stopped on the convenience store on the way home and won another couple hundred thousand playing the lottery great. at a convenience store. So uh, Maryland lottery seems to pay out. Yeah. yeah. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, that's it for this week's Beat in the House. Remember, if it's $100,000 or more, we will be talking about this about the jackpots on our show. But there are many more jackpot winners out there. We only do $100,000 more, so congratulations to the winners we talked about and all the other winners out there. Well, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time with House of Cards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.